0: Starting a farming venture can be a daunting prospect, especially when you're a new farmer. A key component to success is setting up a solid business plan. And this week on Farmers Inside Track, we share the eight steps you need to consider before drafting your business plan.
1: Economist and National Market Executive at the South African Sugar Association, Safiso Mkhlava, highlights the sugarcane industry's contribution to South Africa's economy, but more specifically kwazulu Natal, the region this crop is grown in.
0: Eugene van der Waal has been farming for over a decade, and his operation has drastically improved once he discovered Furmo feeds, and this week we find out how. Plus, Dr. Frantrafana Pfeiffer, National Technical Manager at FURMO Feeds, shares tips on how to improve your livestock's nutritional density and more about their three-phase leg program.
1: Our Agripreneur 101 segment features Karl Ulofse, the Chief Executive Officer of Goshen Food Solutions. Now, he's a chicken liver manufacturer whose mission is creating a product that is both high-nutrients and delicious.
0: On top of our reading list this week is Farming While Black by Leah Penneman. And our farmer tip of the week comes from Kinela Refesu, who farms alongside her father in the Northwest.
2: This is Farmers Inside Track. Supported by food from Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to
0: episode 98 of Foodform Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Foodform Zanzi. And joining me is my awesome co host, Duncan Masiwa. Hey, Dawn,
1: it's great to be back, but I'd like to get a little drum roll, please. We only have three episodes until we get to 100. And I want to give a huge shout out to all our Farmers inside Track listeners in the 92 countries across the globe. But first, our colleague Nicole Ludov chats to Certified Business Advisor Willem van Jarsveld. Now, Willem van Yarsveld shares eight steps you need to consider before drafting your business plan.
0: Thank you so much, Dawn and Duncan. Willem, can you tell me a bit about your background, please? How did you end up an agricultural economist?
3: Well, I didn't end there. It all started there. I was not from a farming family, coming from a farm, nothing. And in my heart, it was a desire and a burning fire to be a farmer. So agricultural economics was the passport that I used to get into farming. And I started off as a young agricultural economist giving advice on how to do management, because up to today management is the one thing that is really close to my heart. And I also started teaching farmers and their wives how to do basic bookkeeping on the farm. While I was doing the more important or the difficult stuff and all the text turns and these type of things, that was a very good learning curve. But in the meantime, I was always farming on my own as well. And during the time, I ended up farming with cattle, with sheep, with pigs, dairy, and even bottling my own milk and uh, selling it in as a retailer also. So, from farm to the housewife, I did the whole chain. I also tried my hand to veg farming in tunnels and broilers and layers as well. I started with the broilers already in my student years, as well as the dairy cattle. I started with three cows while I was still studying to make up money to be able to study. I didn't have parents that could pay for my studies. Uh, So I had to make a plan myself. So that is where it all started. And then almost as an aftermath, in the end I also bred chickens for show purposes. So that is where I'm coming from and what I did with my life. And I'm so excited that I did exactly that.
0: When drafting a business plan, you recommend that people farm with what suits them. What about people who are unsure?
3: farm with something that suits you, well, it's as easy as saying it this way. If you are an animal person, don't farm with crop. If you are a plant person, don't farm with animals. I don't say there isn't combination type of midway that you also can go for, but be very sure that whatever you want to farm with is that type of thing that even when it is the harshest of circumstances, You will still be so passionate that you can make it work. And if that is decided on, then please select the suitable area in which you've got the best chances of succeeding with whatever you've chosen to farm with. Don't force one of the two just because you are in a cattle environment. Don't try to farm there with some citrus or for any reason, any cash crop or veg. Read your environment and farm in harmony with that environment. And the most important environment is your thoughts, your mental makeup, your who I am. That is very, very important. You can't separate yourself from that that one forever. So be honest and make the right decision at the beginning.
0: Do you recommend that aspiring farmers also create a contingency plan when they draft their business plan?
3: Like any other business, farming will at some stage present a curveball for you as entrepreneur. And if you don't have a contingency plan, and that I don't mean switch from A to Z. What I mean, if you've chosen a certain direction and you are sure that is what you should do and what you want to do and you are at the right place with the right thing and things become difficult. You must have, not should, you must have a contingency plan because there will be difficulties and you can't let a a bit of resistance in your way forward uh, force you to go to a total new direction because that's a start over. But a good contingency plan is only I steer around the obstacle and I know why and I know how and I still know where is my goal and I'm still on track to the goal despite whatever life throws at me. That is the purpose of a contingency plan. Please have one. It is a must in any business. Most of the time, whenever I drafted a business plan myself, whether it's for, my, for myself or for somebody else, a question of contingency plan is actually, we. I never gave it the, the big word, the big name, but I call it a what-if scenario. And I always build in what-ifs, a high, low, and a medium scenario. So it can show to me or whoever is reading the business plan, what if something happens? And then always you must state what circumstances were taken into account when this scenario was provided for. What was the assumptions that was driving this if, what if? If you are clear about that and your business plan or that scenario, the outcome of it still shows you can make it, then you know the risk is lower. Everybody knows the risk is lower. Everybody who's got anything to do with your business will read the different scenarios and from that they can derive whatever they need to derive.
0: In your opinion, what is the most important or basic thing aspiring farmers should do or know when putting together their business plan?
3: Well, make sure about your why. Your why. Why are you thinking about something, whatever it is, that you must draft a business plan for? So the first question is why do I want to do it? Why should I do it? And if you are clear on that and you were very, very frank and honest with yourself, then you are at the doorstep, the first step for a good business plan. And as I explained in an article a few years ago, Form Zanzi or Food Form Zanzi, it is much more than just write a lot of words, draft a few figures, make a few plus and minuses, and present it as this is how my cash flow is going to be. You can't do it that way. It never works out in the real world. There must be a departure from where you start off saying, this is why I want to do it. You must explain first to yourself and de- then to your audience or whoever is going to read your business plan for what purpose, whatever purpose. The most important thing to me is why must I go on reading this business plan? And if you can't give it to me in your vision and your mission, mission statements clear enough that it's clear enough for you, then it will be clear enough for me. And whoever must look at your business plan for what finances or whatever help you want, the reason for the business plan may be. It must be very clear, first and foremost, to yourself and then to whoever is reading it for whatever purpose. Why am I departing on this journey?
1: Thanks, Nicole. And great having you, Willem van Jahresweld. Valim is, of course, a certified business advisor. For more information, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. Next up, economist and national market executive at the South African Sugar Association, Safiso Mklaba, highlights the sugarcane industry's contribution to South Africa's economy, but more specifically, KwaZulu Natal, the region this crop is, of course, grown in.
4: So agriculture accounted for 4% of the KZN economy.
2: And of that 4%, about 2.6% is sugarcane.
4: And again in Pumalanga agriculture accounted for 3% of the Pumalanga economy, and just around half of that is sugar cane. And this really points to the importance of the sugar cane industry the two provincial economies if you take our contribution at national GDP, it's about 0.2 percent, and that may seem small, but if you go provincial, it is quite important. And if you go even regionally to the towns, the streets are speaking to, in some towns, you know, it, it accounts for 90 percent of of the economic time. But it may be important just for the care. people of the first one is, you know, ordinarily we are surplus sugar producers because we produce more than demand and, of course, in drought years, um, this comes under threat but, on average, we produce more. We government by legislation, which has dealt with that. I I think it's also important to go through this to have um, an effect that the world sugar market is residual and distorted. So what this means is the prices or the world prices of sugar are not reflective of cost of production. And therefore, maybe 8% of the sugar that we export. We export at a loss. I know in the, in the South african agriculture, the drive is always to increase export to aid foreign uh, revenue. In our case, export at a loss. And yes, we can get access to preferential markets. Uh, which you know, we may not still make them tender, but it's much better than exporting to the world market. Uh, in South Africa, like all other sugar-producing countries, we need to protect their local owners. In South Africa, we use the dollar-based reference price and the import duty, and we will get into some of the numbers around this, but I thought it's a useful study. And to give some quantitative context, and this will lead nicely to a question around you know, why some of the
0: Thanks for joining us, economist and national market executive at the South African Sugar Association, Sifiso Klaba. We now change gears from sugarcane farming to animal nutrition with Furmore Feeds. Now, Eugene van der Waal has been farming for over a decade, and his operation has drastically improved once he discovered Furmore Feeds. This week we're once again joined by Dr. Franco Vanufe, National Technical Manager at Furmall Feeds. He will share a few tips on how to improve your livestock's nutritional density, how and specifically how their three-phase lick program works. We have back with us Dr. Franco van der Veyfer, National Technical Manager at Furmall Feeds. It's great to have you with us again, Dr. Van der Pfeiffer.
5: Hello Dawn, yes, definitely. It's great to be back.
0: Now, François-Eugène van der Waal has been farming for over a decade. His operation has drastically improved since he discovered Foodmall. What is Voormoel's approach to improve the farmer's operation in terms of animal production, especially uh, for Eugene van der Waal?
5: So Furmo is a manufacturer of ruminant feeds in particular with a focus not only on concentrates, but more so on licks and supplements. So our point of departure is has always been for a farmer to use his cheapest source of nutrition, um, in other words, for grazing or felt or pasture, to its fullest potential within the constraints of his environment, the season, and also felt management. So this being said, we know that roughage has certain limitations varying across seasons and years, and according to the production aims of a farm. And therefore, our slogan of what the nature lacks for more wool supply is really relevant. So what this basically means is that FUMO always aims to complement the nutritional deficiencies of a natural felt or a pasture by supplying only the limiting nutrients in our leeks or supplements.
2: Now, how
0: would a farmer know which of the nutritional deficiencies are on his particular farm?
5: Yeah, the nutritional value of pastures differs as drastically as the environment's, and it is obvious that there is no one recipe to correct the nutritional deficiencies or imbalances in all types of pasture. So, for instance, sour felt um, shows a high variation in nutritional value between the growing season and the dormant or the winter season, while sweet felt would have less variation between seasons in terms of a nutrient value, but the availability of a material might, might be a challenge. So, Fumul's free-phase leak program was therefore developed for cow-calf or sheep systems in areas where big differences Occur in the nutritional value of the summer and the winter pastures, and where acute to moderate deficiencies in phosphorus occur. So the purpose of a phomo-free phase Leak program is to ensure that the cow herds condition and nutritional status is adequate during the critical of the stages of production and during the year to make sure that we have at high weaning percentages and acceptable weaning weights for that particular environment.
0: Well, Francois, I know that we've spoken about this before, but can you explain the three-league phase program to our listeners?
5: Yes, I'll I'll quickly run through it in brief. Let's call it a refresher range. So, phase one is on, on the green pastures or the green felt, and it lasts approximately 150 days. So, this period starts about four to six weeks after the first rains, and we know that the primary deficiency on green pastures is phosphorus and also then some of the trace minerals and remember everything has to be fed in balance to each other the second phase and that's actually the phase that we just come out of now was during the dry season okay so that's when felt is dormant it also lasts for about 150 days it's your whole winter period in the summer rainfall areas and that usually starts when the rain has ceased and the felt has become dormant now the primary deficiency is not phosphorus anymore, but actually protein or nitrogen for the microorganisms. And that's where the practice comes from to feed a urea containing winter liquid protein leak. And then the last phase is the phase where the animals are on a production stage. So they are either pregnant or they might be lactating already and the felt is not available yet. So it's before the rain has started but the animals have got a very high nutrient requirement. Therefore, we then feed them a production leak which contains not only the phosphorus and the protein, but also energy.
0: Now, frank jo, from what you've just explained, it means that most of our farms in the summer rainfall areas are now within the first phase, with phosphorus being a main limitation. How can the farmers supplement with phosphorus currently?
5: So, this is in the summer rainfall areas, so the farmer has one of three options to supplement phosphorus on green And Before I continue, I need to point out that a phosphorus leak is, in actual fact, a mineral leak. In other words, it supplements calcium in balance to phosphorus or to phosphate. It also supplies other minerals such as magnesium and also all the most important trace minerals such as copper, zinc, selenium, and so forth. So the first option would be to supply the animals with a complete Ready to feed lick like Foodmaltz Rumovide 6P, which contains 60 grams per kilogram of phosphorus and calcium in relation to that at 120 grams per kilogram plus all the trace minerals. And a typical cow will eat about 100 to 200 grams per day of this lick. Second option is for the farmers that prefer to use their own salt. And this is what Eugene is doing on his farm. So he's using a concentrate called Foodmaltz Rumovide 12P. And he mixes this concentrate in equal parts with coarse salt to give a lick, a whole, mixed lick, that has exactly the same specifications as the Rumavide 6P. And the third option is to use formals phosphate blocks, which is really convenient to use, and they are resistant to damage due to rain. So one of the challenges, obviously, of supplementation during the rain season is that your meal-type leaks need to be covered against the rain to avoid damage. If we use blocks, this challenge is overcome due to the technology used in the block.
0: Thank you so much, Franshua. Any last comments to our podcast listeners before we let you go?
5: I think, as always, we need to supplement the primary deficiency of the felt. So that should be our aim, to supplement only the primary deficiency and thereby we are complementing the grass instead of supplying nutrients which is already available in the grass. If we do incorrect supplementation, this can lead to substitution of a grass, which is very uneconomical. We always aim to feed the primary deficiency of the grass.
0: Thank you so much once again for sharing your expert advice for new farmers and those that are part time farmers as well. It was great having you with us, Francia, and we look forward to connecting again very soon.
2: Food Mall produces superior quality molasses based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energy feed feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Foodmall feeds on 032 439 5599 or info at foodmall.co.za.
1: Next up, our Agripreneur 101 features Carl Ulofse, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Goshen Food Solutions. Now, Carl is a chicken liver manufacturer whose mission is creating a product that is both high nutrients and delicious. Carl, welcome to Farmer's Inside Track. Can you tell us a bit about how you started Figado Chicken Liver
6: business? Figado Canned Chicken Livers has taken us six years to develop. The supply of canned pilchers has over the recent years experienced an immense amount of pressure, and the National School Nutritional Programme had requested that we develop an alternative protein source for canned fish as a nutritional component on their feeding menu. We experimented with various proteins that would not present volume constraints. Due to the nature of the protein, pneumatically sealing chicken livers is extremely challenging, but we were determined to succeed.
1: It's only been about a month since the product was launched. How has the journey been so far?
6: The journey has been absolutely incredible. As with any startup business, we experienced some difficulties, but they were overcome with perseverance and determination. Our vision was to create a brand that would appeal to everyone, regardless whether you were looking for a convenient meal on the go or whether you were to host a dinner party. Our hope is to create an emotional connection so that Vegata is not only perceived to be a meal, but an experience.
1: What's the most important thing for aspiring agripreneurs to know before they embark on starting a chicken liver business or a business that is catered to address food security or access?
6: My advice to young agripreneurs who wish to embark on a food manufacturing or distribution venture would be to know your target market. Identify their needs, satisfactory levels, and ability to purchase the desired product are key fundamental factors. The journey should be fueled by passion. Do not only focus on a product that is delicious, delectable and desired, but pay special attention to the nutritional value and nutritional components.
0: Thanks Duncan and Karl Olofsir, Chief Executive Officer at Goshen Food Solutions and he's a chicken liver manufacturer. Now for our book of the week as chosen by Farmers, Farming While Black by Leah Penniman. The author's objective is to connect people of color to the spirit of the land. Terry Ann Browers, Food for Mzansi Citizen Journalist of the Year, reviews this book for us. Hi
2: Dawn and Duncan, today I will be reviewing the book Farming While Black by Leah Pennerman. The author's objective is to connect people of colour back to the spirit of the land. The book includes a little bit of everything any black farmer or aspiring black farmer could possibly need. The author speaks about the fact that some of the most valued and sustainable farming practices have roots in African wisdom. With 16 insightful chapters, the book explores the practical and business aspects involved in being a black farmer. Some chapters include finding land and resources, planning your farm business, restoring degraded land, feeding the soil, as well as crop planting and seed keeping. These are but a few of the amazing topics explored in this book. Throughout the book, the author includes what she calls uplift sidebars. These sidebars are there to help elevate the wisdom of the African diasporic farmers. This book is really special as it teaches the fundamental acts of growing food and growing community. It also reminds black farmers that they are the pioneers, trailblazers and visionaries of farming and agriculture.
1: Agriculture is not just about farming, it's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy, it's good for you, and the whole family loves it. It's Grain-Filled Chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of
4: the land.
0: Sounds like a must-read, and I'll definitely try to get my hands on a copy. Remember, if you'd like to review a book or perhaps you have a book suggestion, please feel free to email us on info at Now, before we let you go this week, we can't stop without sharing our Farmer Tip of the Week, and it comes from livestock farmer Kenilwe Refesu, who farms alongside her father in the Northwest. She specifically shares a tip to aspiring pig farmers one of the tips that i can give people who want to start into farming piggery is that we always are in need of cash flow it's better to buy to resell buy readers keep them for a while make sure they eat healthy sell them for a consistent cash flow and once you have made enough capital then you can start breeding your own and then finding a proper market and then start selling and our farmer tip of the week from northwest livestock farmer Canalwood Refesu brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Insight track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. For more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube.
1: That's correct, Dawn. And remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and of course also your fellow farmers. The Farmers' Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and of course also on foodformzansi.co.za. But for me, Duncan Masiwa, Don Umdu, Nicole Ludov, and our producer Megan van der Vent and the rest of Team Food from Zansi, have a great week.
3: What joins a continent, but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land. What ignites its future but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow the very life of tomorrow. African Blue. Corteva. Keep growing.
2: You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Forms. Anzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.